Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. So, I was talking about how Saul, last Sunday, got born again in that sense that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And immediately, God plugged him into the local church. He started working with the local church. Started going about with the local church. And when he went to any city, he found himself, he plugged himself to the local church. See, it is important for us to be part of the local church. Active participators in the local church. There is how far you can grow in your Christian walk if you're not active in the local church. And being active in the local church doesn't just mean showing up. Showing up is part of it. But beyond showing up, getting involved. Praise the name of the Lord. So, reasons why we should belong to the local church. Reasons why we should belong to the local church. Why does God want us to belong to the local church? Number one, we prove that we are not ashamed to identify with Christ and his people. We prove that we are not ashamed to identify with Christ and his people. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You see, there is a way that this generation can make you ashamed of being in church, of belonging to a church. And that's something God has been putting in my heart, is, is a campaign we're going to be running in the next couple of months. We just want to get back into schools and tell people not to be ashamed of their consecration. Because we're almost living in a generation right now where you're almost ashamed to be identified with Christ. If you're not doing something sinful, it looks like you're not, you're not informed. You're not, you don't understand what's going on. And if we're not careful, we're going to allow the wicked to make us silent ourselves. But then there must be a generation that rises up in spirit, in power, and in faith and says, no, we will stand for righteousness. We will exalt the name of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. We will stand for what is right. And so identifying with the local church helps us to identify with Christ and with his people. Christ is represented in the local church. Number two, it makes us accountable to other believers. Matthew chapter 8. It makes us accountable to other believers. It makes us accountable to other believers. Matthew 18, sorry. Matthew chapter 18. And uh, let's look at this verse now. Verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. You can read down. It makes us accountable to one another. <clears throat> and one of the things we are missing a lot in this generation is accountability. 
We don't want to be accountable to anyone. See, accountability helps us. Accountability helps us. And, and, and I found this, even as a pastor, I can tell you, I found this. There are people, probably couples who be in the local church, they're not accountable to you, you don't know anything going on in their life, they just show up and drop an offering and walk away and show up, and, and then something happens, for instance, in their marriage or somewhere, then they will call you now to come and help them resolve. And you, you realize that it's difficult because there's no relationship. Praise God. The local church helps us to be accountable. So you, your other brother can call you, hey, I don't think you're doing something right. Oh, I don't. And sometimes we're not open to that. Our generation is growing more apart. You can be in the same house, but in different worlds. Have you seen all of those pictures they put on Facebook, right? The father is on his phone. The mother is on the phone. The child is on the phone. Even though they are in the same um, room, everybody is actually in another world. And in fact, scientists are saying that although this is the most internet-connected generation, this is also the most disconnected generation. You realize that most people's best friends are in their phones. So even though we're together, there's no relationship. Praise the name of the Lord. So the local church helps us to be accountable to other believers. And that's the way we can strengthen ourselves. That's the way we can correct ourselves. Make us accountable. Number two, number three, it keeps us in submission to spiritual authority. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Look at this. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Look at this. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know, it almost looks like we need to throw this verse out of the scripture now. But this is still here. That as far as you belong to the local church, the pastor will give account for your soul. And the scripture says that if he does that with grief, it is not profitable for you. You see, we are connected in the local church. And that's why I'm going to end as we progress. If you are in a local church where you cannot receive the pastor as a gift and you cannot honor the pastor, you shouldn't be there, including this one. Don't belong to a church where you cannot receive the pastor as a gift from God. And that is why I have a policy it's personal policy, if I'm wrong, as I get older, I'll correct it, but for now, I'm still practicing it. When people meet me and they want to leave the church, I find it very difficult trying to convince them to stay. Because you know what? Once that thought starts popping up in somebody's heart, it's difficult for you to change it. It's not a cult. Are you following what I'm saying? So, I, because sometimes I wonder, I mean, some people also join us and you see the pastor running after them and running after them, running after Why would you do that? It's like somebody says, I don't want to marry you again. Then you are now running and running and running. You know, at the end of the day, everything you do will cause an offense. We need that. Why are you kneeling down? Why are you kneeling down? Am I your God? You stand up. You are, you are standing up and you want me to stay. Why would you? Anything you do become offensive. 
Somebody wants to leave the church. Why would they preach two times on Sunday? We have not digested one. They are bringing another one. You know, everything. There's nothing we'll do that you love anymore. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So the local church is meant to run in mutual submission. I'm also accountable to you. Because if I go out there and mess up, they're not, listen, if I go out there and mess up and do something very stupid, you think, oh, you're sitting here. No, they're going to, I told you, that your pastor. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? The same way, also, you should do act right. Because if you mess up, then, as far as we have agreed to belong to one local church, our lives affect each other. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes we've had to go to, to, to the police station to help out a couple of people. When they call you, they say, are your church member is here? <laughs> are you, whether you join the church one day or have a day, say your church member is here. How you go? You can't say now, now he's not your church member. So you realize that God puts us in that relationship so we can be submitted to spiritual authority. Praise the name of the Lord. You participate in a stronger and more unified effort of God's people. Acts chapter 4 verse 23. Acts 4 23. We're doing a feeding project right now. Alone, you might not be able to do it. But if you come together as a church, we'll be able to do it. Acts 4 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. The apostles were threatened. They were threatened to be killed. But you know what happened? The Bible says when they let them go, they went to their own company. That means the apostles had their own company. The apostles had a local church where they fit in. They had a group of people that they related with. And that's something that can help us in our Christian work. Belonging to a place. Getting your own company. When things go wrong, it's the company that will stand by you. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Then you have the opportunity to use your gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You have the opportunity to use your gifts. There are many spiritual gifts that God has given to you and God is placed in your life. God wants you to use them within the context of the local church. God wants you to use them within the context of the local church. When you are within the local church, your gifts will begin to come out. Now you must realize something. Uh... 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as oracles of God. Oh, sorry, that's verse 11. Verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So you realize that God is giving each and every one of us gifts. And it is in the local church we can put it to work. Praise God. Every one of us see that here, there is something we can contribute to the local church. Now, people were good with cleaning, people were good with all kinds of stuff, people were good with building, lighting, and all that. We all bring that to build a local church. And God wants us to contribute that. It is within the context of the local church that you can pour your gift and serve. Praise God. The last one. You encourage new believers to be committed to the local body of Christ. If you are committed, you inspire someone else. Praise God. If you are committed to the local church, you, you provide an inspiration to someone else. There's nothing that says that you are too old to be an usher. 
I say so. In fact, I think maybe some denominations will have it here. I'm not sure, but um, um, in fact, we have it almost upside down, right, or reversed. When I travel out, not within Africa per se. Okay, Africa, some South Africa, and. When you go out, you realize in the U.S. and all that, you, are like, you realize that the older generation are more committed to serving God. So the ushers are old. In fact, the last time I was in Canadian uh, Ministries in Tulsa, Pastor Hagin pointed out a man who had been an usher in that church for maybe 32 years. Started being an usher right from when the church started thereabouts. And he's still an usher. He's, in fact, he's one of the ushers. That's just his job. I mean, of course, if the man has been an usher for 30-something years, you know how old he is. But you know, here we want to belong to the elders' forum. Say, so we are the elders in this church. When they lay the foundation, we lead it. We can't lift a finger. Never grow too old to serve God. Never. Never grow too old. Never grow too prosperous, too powerful that you cannot serve God. No. Don't grow too old for that. Don't grow too sophisticated. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Ask yourself, how can I serve? Can serve as an usher, can serve to sing. I can, you know, say, ah, I don't want to follow those small, small children. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Even in South Africa, most times when we've gone to preach, most of the people who attend to all that are elderly people. I know specifically Dr. Robert Munoz's church. Just hard to serve. Most of the times where we have conferences like that, uh, conferences like that, people will take their time off, put their cars available just to drive visitors and just to serve. Just to serve. You know, we can't even tell you of serving when we have a conference. The idea is to tell you to even be available. Not to talk of serve. Just come, show up, serve. We're not even talking of you serving. Serving is asking you, asking you to burn yourself for us. Just show up. There's a conference. Don't ever forget this. We will give account of our lives. Don't forget it. I think I'll be saying that every message I'm preaching right now, whether it's connected or not. I'll just find a way to say it. Or maybe we'll print it somewhere. We will be accountable. We will. God is going to ask us what we did with our time. And you know, we can't serve God in our terms. Because what is happening is, we are rewriting how to serve God every day. I will do this, I will not do this. I will do this, I will not do this. I will go this far, I will not go this far. You have just, on your own, you have built your own church. But there are responsibilities in the word for us. Praise the name of the Lord. What are the responsibilities of members to their churches? Number one, regular attendance. That's number one. If you don't show up, then there's nothing we can do. So the first thing is to show up. Hmm? Hebrews chapter 10. The first thing is to show up. Hebrews 10. 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We should stir ourselves up in good works. Stir ourselves up in good works. In doing the right things. Stir yourself up in winning souls to Christ. Stir yourself up in getting people to church. 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. So some have the habit. <laughs> but exhorting one another so much as you see the day approaching. Say, don't forsake the gathering of yourself together. You know, and I say this to parents. I, you see, I, I, I say this to parents, and it, 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 it kind of breaks my heart, really. Don't live a life in which your children think that church is not important. Don't live it. Because when those children grow up, you might struggle to get them to serve God. For weeks, your children might not be in church. You know, maybe, okay, maybe because my, but even before my, before, even before my dad became a pastor, because there were a couple of years before my dad went into ministry, the way my mother raised us, we went to church. <laughs> you can't say you are not going. That is not, it won't cross your mind. That is one. You can't say you are not going. Then number two, if you were sick, that's the more reason you will go. And then there was no children church. You were not watching TV. You were not doing this thing. They had those benches, right? When I was small enough, I was under those benches. You won't cry. There's no why you. Your mother is above you. You are crying. There's nothing. There's nothing. Because if your mother takes you out of that service because you cried, that cry is the best you ever. Because when you get home, so. You just stayed in. Whether you liked it or not was not an option. And then you went to sweep church. You didn't need to belong to a department. As far as it was my mother that gave birth to you, you are in the sanctuary cleaning department. You just showed up. Go and clean church. And you know, service there was Monday Bible study, Tuesday uh, prayer meeting, Wednesday. You know, maybe like four days out of the week you are in church. And sometimes even in the church, you say, go and check if church is open. <laughs> when I went to live with my grandmother, the same thing. So my grandmother used to help the parish pastor to ring the bell. So of course she was our grandmother. So ultimately we were the one that rang the bell. So you have to be there 30 minutes before the service. You have to ring the bell three times because then there was no, they don't know how to read clock. So it's the bell. So by 4.30 you ring the bell. 10 minutes later you ring. You know, by the third bell, uh, the church was going to open. You know, so by the time they rang the church bell after 10 minutes, they put a cross in front of the door. You were late. And then they had prayers for 20, 20 minutes, and then you stood outside for that. So people were always watching that bell. Is it the first bell? Is it the second bell? So if you were the one around my grandmother that time, you just go there and ring the bell. And then when you tell her that you want to come, you go back later. I say, no, when you come, you go and play. I'll be looking for you. So you stand there until <laughs> then you ring. <laughs> Do you understand that? <laughs> Whether we enjoyed it or no, unconsciously it just placed a priority in our heart that church mattered to our parents. We didn't hear anything bad about the priest. We didn't hear anything. We didn't hear anything. We just, church just mattered. In fact, when they say let's go home for holidays, one of the things we were now, ah, we'll now start going to church. We'll now go and ring bell. You know, although we loved everything, but we knew that grandma's life, part of it was church. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't live a life in which you make your children feel like when you are tired, you can't go to church. You know how many times I'm tired and I stay here? 
In fact, I think I'll try it one Sunday. Just come to church. Say, our pastor is tired. That's why he didn't come today. Praise God. You know how many times I'm tired? You know how many times I've ministered here and I'm not feeling as strong as I should be? But it's commitment. Praise the name of the Lord. I said it's commitment. Amen. In fact, I've gone to some nations, gone for meetings. I remember the last time I traveled. I, the meeting ended on Saturday, but I told myself, I'm coming. I'm going to be flying all through Sunday. I will miss service anyway. I will not preach. I just said, I can't. You know, it's rare for me to actually find myself traveling on a Sunday. I'm not preaching. It's rare. It, I would rather stay in that place and go for a church service. I just want to be in the church of God. Whether I'm not, I'm preaching. There's something about God wanting us to be in the local church. And all the excuses for not being in service, you need to deal with them. Some of you have your own shops. Yet you can't close it to be in service. And you think you're wise. No, you're not wise. You're just telling God that it's not as important. Your work is more important. These are the little messages we pass across, even to our children. And tomorrow you begin to wonder, oh, why is this boring? And after all, I did my best. No, no. You have to model to your kids that church is important. Praise the name of the Lord. Regular tenors. Number two, financial support. Financial support. We have to be committed financially to our local church. In our tithes and in our offerings. That's how the local church runs. That's how the church finances itself. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as it may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. This was Paul. They were trying to raise money for relief materials for the saints in Judea. But you understand that it takes money to run the church. It takes money to pay our staff. It takes money to do the things that God has placed in our heart to do. And so every member should be committed, <clears throat> committed financially to the church. It should be a commitment. It should be a commitment. You cannot be in a church for a long time. You don't tithe. You don't give offerings. And, and, and then I've heard people also say, oh, well, I'm not giving my money to church right now. All pastors are thieves. And I'll give it to widows and to orphans. You can't determine the terms of your service. Praise the name of the Lord. There are instructions God has given to us. You cannot choose the ones to obey. You cannot redirect you know, right now, I'll tell you the truth, in, especially in this our generation, when I talk about do not be ashamed of your consecration, in this our generation, you know, this is not the finest time to say that you are a pastor. You know that, right? I know you know. This is not the finest time. This is not the best time where you are proud to say you are a pastor because of what happens daily. In fact, that's what I pray for my children. I just pray for my children. I pray for them a lot because I understand how... It is tough for them sometimes growing up. Sometimes it's not very easy for them when all their, when people are mentioning what their father do for them to say, I'm a pastor's child. It puts them on the spotlight. I can imagine all the bully they will go through. Assuming that. So it's not a very comfortable, it's not a comfortable, uh, it's not a comfortable office to stay. It's not, it's not, it's not. Because most time you end up making more sacrifices than you get. And I'll tell you this, right? This is not for myself. God has met my needs. But I'll tell you this, right? Out of all the mega churches you see around the world and all the pastors doing well, take it from me, maybe only 15% of pastors are really doing well. The remaining 85% are struggling. Some of you who have resources, 
Check your list. How many pastors ask you for money every month end? Am I right or wrong? Okay, I'm not right anymore, right? I am right. So don't think every pastor is rich. Don't think every pastor has a jet. And don't punish every pastor because of one pastor. It would be foolish of you to make a decision because of something. Except you think that your money is not properly being used, then you can ask questions. If you think your money is not being used well. But to make a stewardship decision because of what you're reading somewhere, then again, you're not a wise person. Because there are commitments that God has given to us towards the local church. Number two, a devotion. We have to be devoted. Number three, sorry. Devoted, Romans 12, 10. Devoted. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We serve the Lord fervently. We're passionate. Be an example of a passionate believer. I mean, someone I use as an example all the time, even when I travel out of this country, is, is, um, is our usher, Tony. If he's in town, Tony will show up. He's just there. He will do his job. I mean, I know many people in the ocean department, if Tony was not Tony in the ocean department, they, won't even, they are not even here. Some of them are not even here now. That's an example. Ask yourself, if everybody was like you in this local church, would there be a church? If everybody was like you, they give like you, they attend service like you. We'll, we'll have a strong church. If everybody was as committed and as passionate as you were, are we going to have a strong church? And that's why you see sometimes our pastors will just come and just be releasing courses on Sunday. Because it's frustration. They are frustrated. <laughs> They'll just be releasing courses. You say you will not serve God. You say you will, God will punish you. <laughs> and you know, that's the kind of message you like. That's the one you like. Or start lying to you that oh, when you come early to trust, the angels that are bringing blessing, they will give to those who come early. All those ones is just to tell you that don't be late. Just as members get discouraged, pastors also get discouraged. And that's why it says that when we are giving account, don't let, it, don't let them do it with grief. So be devoted. Be a devoted member. Be, if you want your pastor to be devoted, be devoted. And like I said before, I said with all humility, if you don't think you should be here, you can leave. If you don't think this is the right church, you can leave. You don't need to stay. We won't feel bad. But if you think this is where God wants you to be, then plug yourself inside. There's nothing as bodysome as keeping people around your life that don't want to be around you. And that includes the local church. So if you think this is not the right church for you, you think you're not comfortable with anything, it's fine. You can leave. And we will bless you. We won't curse you. We don't curse people who leave. We bless them. But if you think that God has brought you here, then make up your mind that you'll be an example of devotion and commitment. Why? Because that's what God demands from us.
that when people see you, they can use you as an example of devotion. And not just giving excuses. Oh, I can't, I can't come. Oh, yeah, I can't come. Oh, I can't come. I've even heard, you know, I've seen people who say, oh, pastor, I can't become a Bible study. And they, they have shops in town, and they are always in the shop. But yeah, they can't make Bible study. One hour. <laughs> Do you know how God promotes me? If I stay faithful with my assignment. What is my assignment? To preach, to study, to come and teach. You're showing up and hearing is between you and God. Are you following what I'm saying? And there are some things, you know, when God starts judging you for some things, I'm not threatening you, I'm just saying. When God starts judging you for something, I say, oh God, I'm not aware. It's like, were you in Bible study September? But your pastor taught this. Oh God, I was too tired. I just said, let me, I'll get the message. Remember the story of you know, that story really amazes me. Story of Abraham, Lazarus, and the rich man. Right? You know what the rich man said? He said, God, send somebody to warn my brothers. Send somebody to warn my brothers. You know what Jesus said in the parable? He says, listen, they have the prophets. They have people with them on earth already teaching them. If they don't listen to those people, they will not listen to somebody who will come from the dead. You know, some of you want revelation. Rema. Ah, man. That man of God. Ah, yeah. Once I listen. Yeah. And those Rema you hear week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out. You know something? I'll just say this. You know, most times when I travel out of the country, I don't teach half of what I teach here. I don't even teach half. Like, not even half. Sometimes just the very basics. And you see the hunger. And oh. And then sometimes you can be driving to church, fully prepared, all your slides ready. And just see your member on bike. Why are you coming? I'm saying, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. Later, later, I will call you, I will call you. <laughs> You're almost tempted to just put the car in reverse and pursue him. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Devotion, we've devoted. Number four, confession and prayer. James chapter 5 verse 16. What are some of the responsibilities of, 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 uh, of the members to the local church? James 5 16. Confess your trespass to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. This is something we need to learn. When people confess their trespasses to you, it, it did not say judge them and you'll be healed. It said pray for one another. We must learn to be able to handle people's weaknesses. Are you following what I'm saying? You, you heard something about a brother? Don't turn it to a prayer point with other people. No. We should be able to build a place where we can handle people's weaknesses and help them out. Praise God. Are you still here? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But do you realize something? That we always speak the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much, right? We take that and we separate it from the context with which it was put. Which context? Is the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much put in? It's put in the context of community. 
Right. Right. It's put in the context of what? Come, I mean, I look at it now. It's easy. Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective father prayer of a righteous man avails much. So within the context of community, there is effectiveness in our prayers. Hallelujah. Service. We have to serve. We've done that. First Peter 4.10. Learn to serve. Pick a department. Serve, 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 serve. What responsibility do you also have? To confront a sinning brother or a sister. Galatians 6, 1. We should be able to tell you, brother, don't do this thing. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's body and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we should be able to, I mean, speak with each other, <laughs> help each other. I, 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 called, I was speaking with my friend the other day, my pastor friend in Abuja. He's been my friend for a very long time, over 19 years. And uh, he just said me something. He said, I'm watching all your Facebook status in case you upload something that I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> I'll let you know. You know, you, you need to have people who watch your back. You need to have somebody who say, oh, no, that's not. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't stay in a compromising position. Don't do something that will cause uh, you, for, for you to stumble. And it is only within the context of the local church that we can open ourselves to that. You see, any son you do not correct, you do not love. If your life is void of correction, your life is void of love. You should belong to a place where somebody can make adjustment and call you and say, I don't think you're doing this right. And not get offended. Because that's where the challenge is. You know why a lot of pastors are scared of correcting people? It's offense. Because you realize something, you correct someone, then they stop coming to church. You, you, you say, oh, I don't think you should do this. Then they get angry. How will this talk to me like that? <laughs> so you know what? People have decided to leave you to just go that way. But the funny thing is, you know, when people now run into tr troubles, they come back. It's like the prodigal son. But you don't need to be prodigal. You can still walk in your inheritance, staying in the house. Amen. An openness to being confronted by caring brethren. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. We must be open for correction. We, we, we help to correct others who are open for correction. Who are open for correction. I want to say this. This is not Bible. This is just a thought. When you look at our society, growing up, most of us experience that. You realize that when our parents allowed us to be corrected by almost, you know the African proverb that a whole, it takes a whole village to raise a child? How many of you think that our society was a bit more better in terms of morality? You think so? Yeah. You know where our problem started? When, you know, with my parents, right, if a teacher flogged me, I didn't have the nerve to report to my parents. Because if a teacher flogged me, <laughs> the reason why that teacher flogged me, I will receive another one at home. So I just took it with joy. Suffering for righteousness' sake. But you know when a problem started? A teacher will flog your child. You will pull your scarf tight on your head. Let's go. Let's go. This is the only child I have. In your mind, you are defending your child. 
your girl is not dressing properly, and you tell her to dress properly. Say, ah, did I not see her before she left the house? Did I not see her before? <laughs> and now, we, everybody, you, see, you look at ourselves. This is not Bible now. This is just talk. Look at our lives. Look at our generation. There is no correction. Even a husband cannot correct a wife. It's trouble. It's trouble. Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm a woman? Read the UN Charter for Women. Look, look at women's rights. I know my rights. The fact that I'm married. In fact, I don't want to. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. We are, we are here in this society. We are here. We will see where all of us will end up. We are, we are together. Everybody is unruly. The other day, I was, I was walking, walking, going somewhere. And I saw one of the young teenagers in the church. He said, Hi. <laughs> I said hi. And I went inside. Ah, you know, no, I, I, I went inside and I looked at him. me, hi. <laughs> I I I I like God. You know, I, you know I can't say anything, right? I can't say anything. Where are we going? Hi. <laughs> Me. Hi. Okay, no problem. Let's we are here. We, I mean, you know, the thing with me is life is very easy. We are all in this generation. Until one day, your child will slap you. You will not realize that what pastor is saying is true. No, we are here. We are together. Let's be doing high. Everybody will do high to everybody. No respect, no honor. Let's do high. Are you following what I'm saying? There are people older than me in this church. When they come to my office, I'm the pastor. I stand up to greet them. I can't stand in my chair and do high. I was not raised that way. This is not Bible. This is home training now. I'm not preaching Bible. I'm just talking to you. Go and train your children properly. Some of your children are rude and unruly, and you cost it. In the name of civilization. Because that's how you are high and high into where you get up in the morning, all of you are doing high, high, high. And we, we see that. It looks like we are improved. You know, yeah, we know what is going on. We know what is going on. One day they'll walk past you. Say, now nah, you don't flog children. Me, till tomorrow, I will flog. That mentality, I don't buy it. You, this is left for you, whatever. Do naughty corner, do raise your hand, do not watch TV. Anything you want to do, do not eating food, I will flog you. Because I don't want to spare the rod. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it out. Rod of correction. This is the word rod. I, I stick with the Bible. I'm a word man. I'm a word man. You know I'm well-traveled. You know I read, but I'm a word man. When I gave my child a rod yesterday, he said, I understand, sir. I understand, sir. I said, yes, light is beginning to come in. The eyes of your understanding is now being enlightened that you know my will. I was flogging him with a small belt. It was my wife's belt. I discovered that the thickness does not qualify for rod. So I went to get my belt. And he said, I understand, sir. When I heard that phrase, I said, yes. A portion of foolishness have gone out. It's not prayer. It's not prayer. Rod of correction. Are you following what I'm saying? 
How did he get into a rod of correction? <laughs> okay, I was just talking. Let's go back to the Bible and I'll close. What Ephesians 4.11, you receive your pastor as a gift. Ephesians 4.11, you receive your pastor as a gift. This is God's gift to me. Whether your pastor is simple, whether he's humble, receive him. You receive your pastor as a gift. Okay? First Peter 5.2. First Peter 5.2. Let's do that quickly. Four more points and then we're done. First Peter 5.2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain. A pastor should not lead a local church because of money. Don't try to do God's work out of dishonest gain. Can we get a newer translation if you have it there? Don't do ministry for money. Don't sell hot water. Don't sell stuff. Don't sell things. God knows how to take care of you. Don't do ministry out of dishonest gain. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Don't be a pastor who pastors grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve the Lord. Now this is the balance, okay? I'm not permitted to do ministry for money. I'm not permitted to do what I, I do for money, right? NLT 2, Galatians 6.16. This is the balance. Galatians 6.16. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many of you are blessed this morning? Amen. Galatians 6.16, 6, 6, guys. 6.6. 6. Not 6.16, sorry. Praise God. Galatians 6, 6. Those who have thought the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. So do you see the balance? God says, I'm not permitted to do ministry out of dishonest gain. That's my responsibility. I teach the word of God. But what's your responsibility? If I'm teaching you the word of God, then you also have a responsibility to share some of the good stuff with me. And why is it that way? Because what I'm teaching you is helping you to make your life more prosperous. Are you following? So let's put it this way. Sometimes, if you go for all these seminars, what do you do? You pay the guys, right? Like you pay and they teach you all of this stuff and teach you all of this stuff. Some of the things they are teaching you in those seminars and well, wouldn't move your life as forward as I'm teaching you what I'm teaching you. So you're not paying for it, but the responsibility is shared provision. Praise the name of the Lord. Go to Acts 20, 28. Acts 20, 28. Acts 20, 28. Looking at the local church. You should, you see, every local church must come together to say, hey, we'll look after our pastor very well. You know, one of the, one of the reasons, I, I, I mean, God has really met our needs and we're well taken care of and the Lord blesses us through a couple of people here. But you see, when a pastor is also well taken care of by his congregation, he doesn't need to do ministry and essentially out of need. Praise God. And then let me just say this here before I move, move out of this point. Don't assume somebody else is doing it. That's how the whole church is assuming 
And my father, used, my father gave me a parable one time. Where was the parable? He gave me a parable. He said, you need to learn to trust God for your need. He said, because I'm not going to talk to you from the Bible. I'm going to talk to you from the parable. He said, you know when there's this like goat that wants to be killed for Christmas, so a few who stayed in the village, you know, and they'll say, oh, let's make sure we feed this goat, right? And then they buy the goat from the market. They want to tie up for a few days, either for a funeral or something. And then they say, oh, you feed the goat. Now, if there's no responsibility given to feed the goat, everybody will assume somebody else is feeding the goat. They only realize the goat is not being fed. Seven days after, when they kill the goat, I realize the goat has lost weight without going to the Right. So, I'm not the goat in the parable. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. Don't assume there are people taking care of pastor. No. You do your part. Never assume. Ah, no, never assume. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. So two responsibilities that the pastor also has to, for you is to feed and to do what? And to nurture you. To feed and to nurture you. To teach you God's word. Now what's the responsibility of the church to the members? Number one, spiritual support. The primary responsibility of the church to the members is to support them spiritually by prayers and by the teaching of the word. That's the responsibility of the church. Mutual help, mutual help. Welfare needs, welfare needs. The church also has to provide welfare for its members. So as a local church, for example, we have people that are uh, church has been able to support here and there and there. But one thing you must also realize is that you can't be the only one that is being supported by the church. You can't be perpetually on the welfare list. You have to also consider one another in the reception of welfare. Is that okay? Come on, am I talking here? Yes, sir. Yeah, because it's a, it's a large church and many people have needs. So you can't, you can't, you can't colonize <laughs> the welfare department for yourself alone. No. You must also consider that other people are being taken care of and other people are being supported. So from what we give, there's a support for one another. Let me say this, and I want to say this very clearly. I wish we had a full house, but I want to say this very clearly. When people tell you, right, I'm saying this to you as your pastor and pastor of this church. When people tell you that they're not being supported, there are one or two reasons. Number one, for some people, they are repetition of the same story. Right? So you help someone once, you help them again, then the story keeps going on. And number two, either they have also met the church welfare, and we've looked into the case, and we find it's not worthy of support. But I want to say here, right here, that I know to the best of our ability, we provide as much support as we can. Why? Because I know that is part of the responsibilities of the church. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I know the place is going to be quiet. So I was expecting that. First Timothy 5, I'll show you something here. Which is what also guides us in our welfare. Because I want you to also know this so that you can have a healthy expectation. Is our last point. Paul was talking about the welfare system of the church. He says, honor widows who are really widows. 
Honor widows who are really widows. First Timothy 5. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable behavior before God. So Paul was trying to say, listen, if you are a widow and you want to be placed on the church welfare scheme, we have to first of all ensure if you have children. If you have children, your children have the primary responsibility to look after you. That's the because one of the things we've done, one of the things we've done is that we have made it look like, oh, if church is not giving, then the church is not a good church. That's not the truth. There are conditions for welfare. First, first Timothy, did you find it or you didn't hear it? First Timothy 5, 3. Oh no, widows were really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show pity at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Look at the next verse. Now she who is, truly, who is really a widow and left alone, trust in God and continues in supplication, prayers night and day. So the first point is trusting God. Then he goes on to say, but she who lives in pleasure is there where she lives and these things command that they may be blameless. But he says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Verse 9, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. And not unless she has been the wife of one man. Now, I want to say this, right? What we're going to read now, imagine if we practice it in our church today. Facebook will be full. Number one, says if he's under 60, don't. Okay. <laughs> How old are you? Okay. Well reported for good works. So she was reported for bad works. Don't. If she has brought up her children, so that means for the church to support you, we need to look at how you have raised your children. No, it's Bible now. We're reading Bible, right? This is, well, let's honor widows. Let's take care of widows. Paul said this is the criteria for taking care of widows. Because the church is not a place for laziness. One thing you must realize, and that's what I tell everybody, the money that is being taken will be used to take care of you and support you in church, whatever the welfare need is, is also the work of other people. It's not like we came here and the money just dropped, bam. No. Everybody goes to work and comes and gives. So it's a collective effort of people's work. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's look at this now. If she has lost strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Can you see the criteria? Paul says, if you want to. So the widows, listen, because I don't, our time is, is gone, but I need to explain this. The widows that were complaining in Acts chapter 6, verse, verse 1 to 2, this was the kind of criteria the apostles needed to respond to them. Look at this, verse 11. But refuse the younger widows. <laughs> for when they had begun to grow once against Christ, they desired to marry, having condemnation first. They cast off their first faith. And besides, they learned to be idle. Church is supporting us. Learn to be idle. They wander about from house to house. Not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies. Saying things which they ought not to. Therefore, I desire that younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house. Give no opportunity to the adversary to speak respectfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. 
Can you see what? He said, if you have somebody around you that needs help, you help so that the church will not be burdened so we can take care of the people who really need to be taken care of. I, 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 are you following what I'm saying? There are some elderly folks in our midst, quite elderly people. Remember one of these days, I just say, listen, these people come into fellowship, older people around us, there's nothing wrong if the church can support them with food items monthly, just to be of a blessing to them. And we try, to, we try our best to keep up with that. But the Bible says, listen, you do the one you can so that the church can really focus on such people. There are people who really need help. There are people who think they need help, they don't need help. Some of them, they need wisdom. Is that okay? I'm going to talk about that next month. We want to talk about preparing for the next year. You cannot put your children in schools that are too expensive for you to afford. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your children, everybody say my children. They are my responsibility. Say it one more time. Say my children are my responsibility. Not the responsibility of the church. God bless you. They are your children. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So you have to plan your life based on the way you can live it, independent of external help. That is wisdom. My son, Caris, even though I was working with my dad, the first school Caris ever attended, and that's why I appreciate my wife a lot. When it rains, she literally has to raise her skirt and walk water through the school. You know any school that is where you have to pass water when it rains? You know how much that kind of school is? School fees of maybe 6,000. One thing I believe in this life is nothing will change the destiny of a man who has faith in God. Go to a school where there's no window. Go to a school where, you see, God will sort you out. But that whole thing of contentment, learn it. Learn it. I've taken my children to schools where I feel I can afford. I, I just want to say this. Let me say this. Because sometimes you don't, you, some of you don't, you just think that. Uh, <laughs> I finished preaching one day. And a couple woke up to me. And he said, uh, I finished preaching in church here. And a couple woke up to me and said, while you were preaching, God told us, that we should pay your children's school fees. Take them to any school you want, and we're going to pay the school fees. So when I went home, I told my wife, and I said, this is what the couple said. That's what they said. But what wisdom told me is that if they finish paying the first term, who will pay the second term? So imagine I just hear that, and just carry my children straight for tacos, school fees, one million a year. They'll pay the first one. They will pay the first one. Then later, you now start seeing text message. It is worse, sir. It is worse, sir. I don't do that. So I told them, I said, thank you very much. I appreciate. They will remain in the school where they are now. You can pay whatever you want to pay. So I gave them the children's account number. They paid for one year. And it was only that one year they paid. We're grateful for that one year, but it didn't change anything. You know why? Because I didn't foolishly... You know, for them, it is okay. That's what God has told them to do. God could have told them to just support us for only one term. It's fine. But it would have been foolish for me to make a decision based on their pocket. That is the way some of you are. They gave you 100,000. You just went to, that's just admission form. 
say you suffered, you don't want your children to suffer. You have just prolonged prolong their suffering because you'll be driving them every day from school. Ah, government school, they are the uh, government school. The children going to government school, are they animals? If your economy cannot afford something, stay where you can afford. Are you following what I'm saying? Stay in a house you can pay the rent. And when unfortunate things happen, there can be intervention. But you can't be unfortunate every year. There's a problem. I mean, there are people who genuinely, things happen, they didn't pay them in their job, something happened, and oh, sorry, we can't pay school fees this year. Oh, why not? We're willing to assist. And that was it. Are you following what I'm saying? But it's not that every term you are, and then once it's August, we start having panic attacks. No, don't do that. And I'm saying this because December is coming. You must not eat Christmas rice. If you know your rent will expire in January, don't buy chicken. Is that okay? Start saving your house rent now. So even when you need help and the house rent is 100,000, say how much you have, you can't be saying 2,000. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.